0: Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Welcome to the people in church and also online. Uh, my name's Sam, uh, father of three kids that come here. There's Annabelle, James, Emma, and my lovely wife Annette. I'm really excited to speak to you today for a few reasons but one of them I was thinking about was I want to do a great job for Nathan, I want to do most a great job for the Lord but, <laughs> but that's number one but I, I've been coming here for 16, 17 years, I don't know exactly and I've just seen and I've known Nathan before that, Nathan's our pastor if you don't know him and I've seen Nathan just pour his heart and soul into genuinely wanting to see people get to know Jesus, Amen. be set free from what's holding them back and ultimately live out God's purpose for their life. He'd probably add the words with boldness and confidence. And he's, he's been just a great source of encouragement for everyone. He serves, he walks the talk. So, you know, Nathan deserves all the honour and respect we can give him, and I hope I do a good job for you, brother. Uh, so today, I've got a question. Is there a formula for Christian growth? Now, all the male engineers in the room are like, yeah, is there? Like, you know, they want the structure. And maybe we have some artists in the church, and they're like, no way, you can't have a formula. Look, it's like God's God's more free... Flowing, free form. So I'll just jump in and say, I think there is a formula for Christian growth. And I'm going to speak about what that is in a minute. The second thing I'm going to do today is talk about what the Bible says about this formula. And the third thing is, I'm going to share a story where a key part of this formula was. I've recently had a very powerful reminder about how important it is in your life and if you don't have it, you know, it's not good. So that's the last thing. So here is the formula. Study, practice and teach. And if we look at what the Bible says on that, this verse sums up the whole lot, study, practice and teach, in a couple of verses there. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work thoroughly equipped to practice and do trainings in there, teachings in there and the basis for it all is God's word so I'm done no, no well, when I got into this, I found I could stand here for years talking about this because nearly every part of the Bible talks about studying the Word, practising it, teaching it. And if you apply this formula to any area of your life, you will see growth if you're doing all three. Take prayer, for example. You can study on prayer. You can read what prayer is about, different forms of prayer. You can pray <laughs> with with yourself, with others, practice. But I would say when you go teach prayer, you will actually learn more about it and you will actually, having to explain the different forms of prayer and what it means, you will grow stronger in your prayer life as a result of teaching. And if you teach kids, they'll probably ask why, 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 why and you'll have to go back and study and come back to... (laughs) Forgiveness. This could be a struggle for some people, what does the Bible say about forgiveness? What about if you practice it and then teach it? If you teach forgiveness to others, what effect would that have on you? Repentance, serving. This is not an exhausting, exhaustive list, but you could take every area of the Christian life through this formula and you will see tremendous growth in your life, tremendous change. Love, hope, kindness. And uh, the last one is the story I'm going to speak about where... This formula can actually really deepen your faith and trust so oh didn't delete that one so let's look at jesus that's a good place to start usually so what did he do on study uh well when he was 12 his parents brought him down to jerusalem and then um then they went back and it said they must have travelled in a big crowd with lots of family and friends because on the way back out of Jerusalem, they, it took them a whole day to realise he was lost. <laughs> and they, they, So they went back to Jerusalem. So when they went back, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. So Jesus modelled this study uh, from a very young age and was constantly referencing the word and studying it. Practice. Like I said, I could stay here for years and talk on practice. What did Jesus, did he walk the talk? Did he practice what he studied? Well, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And no one practiced that more than the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." And they cast lots to divide his garments. So when Jesus is on the cross, uh, he's been rejected, despised, and absolute criminals being set free for him to take their place. You know, beaten, mocked. uh, You know, it's amazing that he could, he could forgive and say that prayer at that point, which really challenges us. You know, whatever, heart, whatever our heart is towards someone who needs forgiveness, you know, did Jesus practiced that for us to model. Another one, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. So, you know, the, the importance of prayer and alone and connecting with god there's many verses where jesus modeled that and did that he practice that when it comes to teaching well there is matthew 5 and 6 the sermon on the mount i think downstairs in the kids teaching today they're talking about the beatitudes so much teaching from from the lord right so now when jesus saw the crowds oh sorry wrong one parables Jesus always spoke in parables because when he went to teach, it's such a great way to connect with people. Uh, I actually learned a while ago what the word parable means and it made a lot more sense. It's uh, two words. One's para, meaning parallel, like, and the other bit's able, like enable. So it literally means to get alongside someone and enable them. So instead of speaking at people and confronting something directly your parallel and in your story that Jesus tells they they're in the story so if Jesus was speaking to fishermen what do you think he would use he would use stories of fish and nets and boats but if he's out with farmers he's talking about seeds and farming because that's what they understand he could connect with them through that story and in the story they could see the message uh, great teaching technique if you teach, you can pick that up. I was going to take this out because I'm going to run out of time, I bet you, but uh, <laughs> but this is another story in Ezra. I encourage you to read the book of Ezra. Twitter version of that is they were coming out of uh, exile in Babylon and they were going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and Ezra really... You know, One of the things they did, they reflected on how did they get in that place, what are we going to do different, how do we ensure this never happens again and and part of it was the formula because they realised some of the studying, some of the practising, some of the teaching slipped away and that had to be really strong. So he said, I'm going to set my heart to study the law of the Lord, to practise it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. Peter, disciple, (coughs) studying with Jesus, uh, then out practising as well a bit, but then Peter the Apostle. uh, First mission to the Gentiles, the the power of teaching became very evident to Peter. So let's have a look at this. So this is uh, the Book of Acts. The, the, The backdrop to this is there's a Roman centurion uh, a Gentile who, who's had a vision from God uh, that someone's going to come and speak to him. He's re- he's, he fears God but doesn't know enough. And then Peter's had a vision about, you know, a sheep with unclean animals and, you know, different things where he's motivated to, to go and speak to the Gentiles. So when he did go speak, he, he said, I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism. I think that's an amazing realisation for him to have at this point in his life when he studied with Jesus and practised. But after Jesus died and he's on his mission, uh, when he has to teach these Gentiles, it then dawned on him how how powerful God does not show favouritism. But he accepts every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message of God sent the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. So that teaching aspect deepened his understanding of God's character. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good, and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So this phase of Peter's life, we see him out teaching, deepening his faith, growing the church and its main mission month here, and this might be one of the first missions of the early church. This is why I think teaching is so important. The more you try to make God's truth clear to someone else, the clearer it becomes to you. Thanks for the confirmation. (laughs) The more you help someone understand God's truth, the more you will understand it. The more you try to impact someone else with something you're passionate about with God, funny enough, the more you will be impacted by it. And this is the key part that I was really reminded of recently teach and i'll tell you why so i grew up uh, in the catholic church became a christian around 13 and all i did from that point on i think was study 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 i was very hungry to read and learn about the lord and then i was practicing it and then my next door neighbor ran a small pentecostal church and i mean very small but he's such a passionate pastor and we'd go around age about 16 and and we would learn and we would pray and then when I got involved in that church they had no youth group at all I had a stack of unsaved friends I'd become a Christian I'm like oh can I start up a youth group so I got to teach and learn learn about the teaching and you know I I don't think I was very good at all and it was a bit clumsy but it forced me to want to get better at it and I had to practice what I was going to say to people, and I had to ask questions of this pastor: How do you teach? What about this? You start learning about stories or how to influence people, whatever, because you want to do a great job to bring the message of Jesus to your unsaved friends. Or uh, so I did that, and that goes: Wow, this teaching thing's good. Um, eventually, came down to Sydney met my wife and Ed at a church and uh that's where i met nathan too and there was a youth group running there and i, I joined up as a, a leader of the youth group there and we had a lot of fun learned a lot of things off other people again value of teaching i uh, went i've taught at um, beverly hills girls school taught scripture there and i remember every week just thinking about those girls and praying about them and asking the lord to impact them and turning up and wanting to do a good job and then I'd follow up and say, did you do that thing last week? And it and it just helped me really, I think, love people more, connect with them and also get to, you know, understand more myself about the Lord. Uh, so various teaching, life group I've done, all that. Now, this is the lesson I learned. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went through easily the most stressful part of my life where, you know, one of my, my day jobs... CEO of a public company and before it was public we went through a big crisis and it and it resulted in uh, relentless sustained pressure for me for over a year and a half daily all day every day we'd sort of no resolution and it was very stressful and I found myself low on energy and time and I, I thought I've got to I've got to relax I've got to you know, find some ways to free up my time because I'm just getting consumed with what I have to do and there's, you know, nothing left. So, abruptly, and I would apologise to these people, I think I've finished up Life Group that I was leading and said, oh, look, I can't really do that. And then, uh, you know, I was teaching uh, some of the youth at LifeGate and I said to Christy, I can't teach the youth anymore, you know, because I know it takes a few hours a week because you prepare, you want to do a good job. And I got rid of that teaching part out of my life. Now, when I was running this story past Annette, she says, you're being far too harsh on yourself. <laughs> but it did, it did make me realise there's a gap there. You know, there you, know, you know when you discover something and you go, gee, this is good for you, like exercise or good food or teaching the, word, the Lord's word. You go, yeah, this is good, and it is. But then you know when you stop something and you realise it, it's even better than you thought because it's missing now. And then when you come back to it, you actually realise the value of it even more because you go, yes, it's now back and everything's better. <laughs> so, so this was me. Recently I said to Christy, I want to go back on this teaching roster. I don't mind what it is. I used to teach a blaze actually with um, Cherie down there and she deserves a lot of like encouragement, guys. So. <laughs> Day, week in, week out, consistently loving and teaching those kids down there. So I went back, you know, I was, wherever you need help, Christy, and she said, why don't you teach in power? And I was like, okay. And she goes, we're doing the Book of Acts. Great. Did you line that up with May Mission Month? That was brilliant. <laughs> so, hey, Book of Acts, back down there teaching them. And um, this is... It was going to be Acts 9, 1 to 19. So I'm like, okay, I know what's on in a couple of weeks. So I'm praying about that. I'm reading it over and over. I'm looking up commentary on this. I'm asking the Lord what he wants me to say because I want to turn up. We've got to make it fun, but they're going to be impacted. There's something the Lord's going to do on this. And this really impacted me and I pulled out one bit of this verse because it really I've read this before, no doubt, but when I taught it, this really got me and this is... Uh, the second part of my message so I'll read I'll read this uh, you know this story but I'll read it meanwhile Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples murderous threats he'd already had people thrown in prison murdered them he went to the high priest and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus because The early people of the way, weren't called Christians yet, the way of Jesus, they were were out on a mission. They were spreading the gospel. They were up in Damascus. So that if he found any of them there who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem and goodness knows what happens after that. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The, man, the men, travelling with Saul, stood there speechless They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told, told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a, a man named Ananias who's going to come, place his hands on him and restore his sight. And Ananias is like, uh, uh, Lord, you, you have heard. I've heard many reports about this man. And all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest everyone who calls on your name. Um, you, you do know that, don't you? <laughs> uh, so, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel, I will show him how much he must suffer from for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it now i don 't know about you, but even though the Lord said that i don 't know how far he had to go to this house, but you can imagine Ananias on the way there would be kind of like. Okay, well, the Lord said he will do that, but he's traveling with other people. What about me? I could still get arrested and I don't know, who knows? Like, you could have all sorts of fearful thoughts. Um, Right, so he turns up. First thing out of his mouth, he sees Saul, what's the first thing? Brother Saul. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again he got up he was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength but I still just find it amazing the level of um, faith that Saul uh, that Ananias showed with this brother Saul He's already there, he already is living out the promise that God said he's in the future imagining all those Gentiles, all those kings, all the Jews that are going to come to know the Lord. The Lord said he's going to use him. Or um, maybe it's because the Lord said he he was going to suffer and he's like, Brother Saul, let's get him into the suffering. (laughs) Who knows what it was. But But that level of faith, To overcome what would have been, you can all put yourselves in that shoe, the fear. So what is the Brother Saul response? What if we applied that to other areas of our life? God says, God's word's pretty clear on so much. And that faith-based response, believing that word, living in the future, the Brother Saul response, what area of your life would it have the greatest effect Prayer, forgiveness, repentance. There's a long list. You know know your own list. Love, hope, faith. This this response is life changing, I think. And this this is the key message I this is why I got back to realising teaching is so valuable. Because I'm like, I wonder if this uh, effect of reading this brother Saul and thinking about how can I apply that level of faith that Ananias had to everything else God says, would I have discovered that if Christy hadn't put me on in power that week? If I hadn't read, if I hadn't... that That teaching part was so key. So i'm going to invite people to pray a prayer if you haven't yet come to study the lord at all or you you're just starting to practice and this is all new to you i'm going to pray a prayer where you you can come to know jesus and get get started on all that and it's going to be amazing Um, and after that we're going to have prayer up here for people where maybe there's an area of your life that you need some help with and Maybe if God put on your heart to teach more, it could unlock something you've never experienced or rejuvenate something like for me that maybe you'd lost. And uh, people will come up and you can pray with them. So I'll just read this out if you want to read with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm, I know that I have sinned and I ask for your forgiveness. I believed you've died for my sins. And rose from the dead I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart I will follow you and I will trust you as my Lord and Saviour so if you just prayed that prayer and you just became a Christian and if you want to talk to people about that, you can reach out. There's great resources we have on the church website. Um, people online, if you want some prayer, I think there's a button you can click, request prayer. Um, but we'll, we'll see you guys online next week. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the next step button.